and a great joy to have Claire Beckley, Ben's mum, reading it to us. She featured in the story and my mum's prayers and uh, Bible um, reading to me features in my own testimony as well. So um, you, um, any mothers out there, incredibly powerful um, physician and fathers as well and family. It's just a place, um, amazing place to be uh, taught the scriptures and about God. But of course there are other places as well as Richard discovered there in the room watching um, The Chosen um, and uh, Lee um, coming through a um, very difficult route but to find Jesus as well and um, Jesus is at work in uh, amazing ways and I believe he's at work now as well as we come and think about his, uh, his promise and his gospel. Let's just turn, if you didn't already, it, it would be really helpful to have it open because then you can check I'm not just making it up. Um, page 1269 in the Bibles, um, page 1269, and uh, it's, I'm going to be referring to uh, bits there, and it would help you to look at them. Let me pray just before we start. May I speak in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what has happened to uh, Richard? and Lee, and Ben, because some people might be puzzled. I don't know how you see it. Maybe um, they've just got a new hobby called religion. Well, I don't think that's the explanation. Um, is it just that they've got a new group of friends who happen to go to church? Well, they have got new friends, that's certainly true, but that's not what has led them to this point. Well, they just told the stories, of course, very powerfully of what happened from their point of view. But there's even more to it from God's side. Now we can know what happened from God's side because the Bible tells us the Bible is God's word. Through this book we can learn who our maker is, we can learn how we are to relate to him, we can learn all about what he's done to us and for us through his son Jesus. And we can also meet him today as we think today and understand and receive the Bible's message. So what happened, what has happened to Richard and Ben and Lee? Or to take the attention off them in particular, what has happened to all those who have become Christians, that is, committed followers and believers in Jesus Christ? Well, I've chosen this reading because I think it makes it very clear and uh, we're going to, to, to think it through. So what happened to them when they put their trust in Jesus? Well, 2 Corinthians, that's the, the Bible book we're looking at there on page one. Oh, 1269 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 gives the answer it says if anyone is in Christ he or she is a new creation the old has gone the new has come when someone puts their trust in Jesus God recreates them they're a new creation and that is what has happened you see God made us in the beginning we turned away from his purposes in our lives. He wants us to love him with all our hearts. He wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves. But of course, we don't do that. We don't even want to do that. Jesus told a very famous story, actually, about how we have treated uh, God. It's about, a far, it's about a son who asked his father to give him his inheritance early. He takes the inheritance, he leaves home, and he spends all his father's money however it pleases him to spend it he wastes it it was a rejection of his father of course 
It was an insult to his father. And that's what we do to God. All of us, we, we, uh, we take all his gifts that he gives to us, but him, we ignore. We reject him. And of course, to us, that feels like the road to freedom. We think, oh, if I can just be free of God's authority in my life, I can do what I like, at last I'll be free. But uh, that, that actually destroys us. It leads to an everlasting separation from God. It leads to a point where we are alienated from God. So we might look highly respectable in front of other people. Indeed, we may be highly respectable, um, good in our own way, in the eyes of other people. But we're alienated from God. We've insulted him, we've offended him. Now, some of us here know that deep down. No, deep down, I am disconnected from God, I'm alienated from him. Others, others don't, don't, don't realise it at all, it's never occurred to you, but it is the reality. And yet, when someone puts their trust in Jesus, God transforms them. They become a new creation, they're remade. From that moment, they're back on track again with the God who made them. They, they're back on track to become the people that God made them to be. They're not alienated from God anymore. They're reconciled to him. Now, you might look at Ben or Lee or Richard and think, well, hang on, they don't look any different. You know, when it comes to computers, um, I don't really like laptops. I find them fiddly and annoying. But the, um, I, I like a good, big, chunky desktop. Really nice, big one. Um, one of the best things about desktop computers, of course, is that, you, is that you can keep the same casing, but you can replace everything inside it. And um, a new processor, a new hard drive, new graphics card, everything. The computer looks exactly the same on the outside, but really it's a new machine. When God recreates someone, of course, they look the same. But inside, there's a whole new set of desires comes in, a new set of possibilities. There's a new understanding, a new awareness, a new freedom. You don't live for yourself anymore. That's not your agenda. You live to please God, to please Jesus. See, if anyone is in Christ, it's not just that they've joined a new club or picked up a new hobby. No, God has recreated them. But how's it happened? How has that actually taken place? Well, the clue is in the phrase, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. In Christ. They became a new creation, these three men, they became a new creation when they were joined to Jesus Christ, when they became in Jesus. And that's what baptism is a sign of. Baptism is a sign of being joined to Jesus. In our, that first reading there that um, Claire read, we we read about Jesus being baptized in the River Jordan. There were long lines of people there waiting to be baptized, long lines of people who knew they were alienated from God. That is, they knew themselves to be sinners, to use the Bible's language. They were queuing up to enter the water. And then along comes Jesus, the only person who has never sinned. And yet, he joins the queue with all the sinners. And you think, well, what, what's God's perfect son doing standing there in a queue as though he was one of them. Why does he do it? Well, it's because in baptism, he is joining himself to us. He's uniting himself to us in his baptism. Well, Ben, Richard, and Lee, they too have been joined to Jesus. Their lives were actually united with Jesus the very moment they first believed. 
But their baptism is visible confirmation of the fact that they are joined to Jesus. He joined himself to them in baptism. They joined to him. And in Christ, they are new creations. Well, we're thinking about how the change has happened. Maybe you've noticed at this point, if you've been listening carefully, that what has happened has essentially nothing to do with what Richard Lee or Ben or any other believer has actually achieved. See, a lot of people imagine that becoming a Christian is all about, um, is all about really uh, trying to sort of you know, pull up our socks and, and uh, turn over a new leaf and try and do what God commands in the hope that we'll do it well enough to be accepted by him. That is exactly what I thought it was. Um, as a child, as I sat, I grew up in a beautiful town in Northamptonshire, as I sat in the church there as a child, um, that's exactly what I assumed. I thought it was all about being, um, you know, doing the rules as well as you possibly could and hoping that God would accept you. But actually, it's not that. It's not about what we achieve. If you've got that Bible text open, just look at verse 18 of this absolutely sort of earth-shattering verse. Verse 18, did, the, did, did Richard Lee and Ben do this? No. All this is from God. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself in Christ. In other words, becoming a new creation is not something we accomplish. God does it. He takes the initiative to reach out to his alienated sons and daughters, and he pays a very high price to bring them home. You know, and you do know this, it takes a very big person to seize the initiative to mend a relationship. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had to do that, to mend a relationship? It's a big person who does it. Have you ever wanted to do that but chickened out of it? Picking up the phone, writing that letter, it is so hard. There's only one power, actually, that will do that, that will do that reconciliation. It's the power of love. It's the only thing that will do the business, that will overcome the fear and the hurt. And it is God's great love that prompts him to reconcile us to himself. He takes the initiative to bring us home, even though we're the ones who've rejected him. Shouldn't you say, shouldn't the rebellious sons and daughters, shouldn't we be the ones who take the first step to reconcile to him? Well, yes, of course, by right, we should. But we won't. So God lovingly takes the decisive step. And he does it at the highest cost to himself because there is a price to pay for the way that we have turned away from God. God will not pretend that it doesn't matter. It does, God won't say, oh, it doesn't matter what you've, what you've done, the way you've lived your life, the way you've ignored me, um, got on with your life, taken all my gifts and shut me out. God, he, if God doesn't judge what is wrong then he isn't just. And if he isn't just, he isn't good. He's got to judge it. He will judge it. He will demand a price. It, God is right to require that a price is paid for our rebellion against him. And we can't be reconciled to him unless that price is paid, unless that judgment is satisfied. And it has been satisfied 
Who satisfied it? God did. God satisfied that himself. He did it. In his son, verse 19, if you've got the text open there, chapter 5, verse 19, says it so clearly. It says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. He didn't count our sins against us. Instead, he counted them against himself. That is, he counted it against himself because God was in Jesus. As the perfect son comes from heaven to stand in the place of the alienated, rebellious sons and daughters. And then he goes to the cross where he dies to pay the penalty for our sin in his crucifixion. That's what he was doing when he died on the cross. He was paying the penalty that we deserve to pay. And as a result, the alienated children can stand in his rightful place. He comes and stands in our place so that we can stand in his place. We can stand in his place reconciled, forgiven, righteous in his sight. So it's like a, it's a loving exchange. It's a, it's a saving swap. Again, if you've got the text open, just look at it. Verse 21. God made Jesus his own son, who didn't have any sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, on the cross, he was made what we are, that is, sin, so that we can be counted as he is, that is, righteous. So it's not that any of these men has suddenly reformed himself and that God has said, well done, I now accept you because you've turned over a new leaf and sorted yourself out. No, God has done it. In his great love, he's taken the initiative. He's paid the price for Lee, for Richard, for Ben to come home in Christ. All they've done is responded with a yes. Yes, I want that. And God hasn't just offered this to them or to the church people. God makes this offer of reconciliation to every single person. I heard a story that moved me a few years ago. An American man and his son fell out. The son's name was Paul. And uh, the father, uh, he, he, he left, got run away from home, and the, and the father longed for him. Um, he was a rich man, the father, so he paid for adverts in all the major daily newspapers. And the advert simply said, Paul, come home, son, all is forgiven. And there was a free phone number at the bottom of the advert um, so that the son could respond even if he had no money. Well, the line was immediately overwhelmed with calls from young men named Paul, hoping that the message was meant for them. They wanted to be reconciled. Well, God has done a lot more than take out a newspaper advert to make it clear that we are welcome to come back to him. He took the initiative to reconcile us and he paid the price for that to happen in Jesus Christ. And he has sent messengers to broadcast the news and to publish the invitation. Verse 20 in the, the, the reading, it says that, that there, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be you. Be reconciled to God. 
You don't have to think to yourself, you know, am, am I the right Paul? You know, as in the, the story. Am, am I the right Paul? Did God really intend it for me? Yes, he intended it for you, whoever you are, however old you are. It's got your name on it. He says, come home, wherever you've been, whoever you are, come home. Now, many of us in this room have responded with a great yes to that question. If you, if you have, then never let the joy of reconciliation fade in your heart. Never let it. But I suspect there are others who are not yet reconciled to him. Maybe you didn't even know you needed to become reconciled. Well, he, he implores you, be reconciled. And you might be disorientated. You might think, well, look, God has never been. I, I, you know, me and God, we've never been so much as introduced. I had a friend who felt like that, actually. He said to me, he said, God and I, we've never had anything to do with each other. Isn't, isn't this all a bit out of the blue? All this about God calling me and reconciling me to himself. Isn't this a bit out of the blue? You know, he felt like God was approaching him as a sort of stranger. I said to him, look, God made you. You're not a stranger to him, even if he's a stranger to you. He is your father calling you. You're the, the father, you're your true father. He's the one calling you. He's not some stranger. And God knows you too. He knows all of us. He knows, uh, he knows that you're alienated from him. He knows all the darkness. And yet, he has taken the initiative and he's paid the price to reconcile you. And he longs for you. He implores you to be reconciled to him. A few years ago, when Barack Obama became the US president, um, he was wanting to um, build better relationships with Iran, the, the country. Um, and he said, um, whatever you think of his eventual policy towards Iran or Trump's policy, I, I don't it's not the issue is not about the policy towards Iran, but listen to what Barack Obama said. What a great quote this is, as he reached out to the mullahs in Iran, he said to them, he said, my hand is held out to you in friendship to take your hand. He says, if only you will unclench your fist. Isn't that a great line? My hand is held out to you in friendship to take yours. If only you will unclench your fist. Yet our fists often remain closed to God's offer of reconciliation. Why? Is it because we think, oh, I don't know enough about it yet? Then find out. Read one of the accounts of Jesus' life um, in the Bible. There's, there's four of them. I'm, I'll point you to, the, to one to read. That would be a good start. Do our fists stay tight shut because we're afraid of what others will say if we commit our lives to Jesus? Or are our fists shut because of a pride that we don't want to admit that we've been going in the wrong direction? Fear and pride. Have they ever been your friends? Have fear and pride ever done anything for you apart from hold you back? Then don't let them rob you of reconciliation. God implores you to be reconciled to himself. He implores you to join yourself to his son where reconciliation is found, to join yourself by faith to Jesus Christ. And God has done more than hold out an open hand. He, of course, has held open his arms, pinioned to a cross with nails to welcome us and to say to us loud and clearly down the centuries, God wants you home. Be reconciled.
to him. Be reconciled to God. And if you want to know how to receive that invitation, it is actually simple. You simply tell him that that is what you want. Say, Lord, I am turning. Father, I'm turning from my alienation and I want to come home and meet you in Christ. I want to. If that is a step you want to take, just tell someone whom you know will help you. Say, help me, I want to take this step. So what has happened to Lee, to Richard, to Ben? They've said yes to God's reconciling love. That's what's happened. They've said yes to his reconciling love. And they are new creations. And that is, or it could be, the experience of every single person in this room this morning. Every single person watching this live stream at home, you too could become new creation in Jesus Christ. I implore you all, on Christ's behalf now, be reconciled to God. A prayer as we close. Living God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, speak to the hearts of every person in this room now. Call to yourself, very specifically, those who are not yet reconciled to you, that they may be joined to Jesus Christ and find new life in him. Those of us who have been reconciled, perhaps for many years, restore in us the wonder of what you have done. All this is from God. And so we give this message, this service and its testimony into your hands. Do with it as pleases you, Father Almighty, in the name of Jesus. Amen.